been taking my time I feel like I'm out of my mind It feel like my life ain't mine I've been on the low, I've been taking my time I feel like I'm out of my mind It feel like my life ain't mine Hey everyone, welcome back to Project Mayday These are G and Bree And today we have Justin Hester Justin is a firefighter paramedic with Pasadena Fire Department And along with that, he's also a leader, a founder of his organization That he'll talk a lot about, uh, the Phoenix Society And with that being said, he is a person that has grown so much In the last two years, two plus years that I've known him And uh, he's willing to talk all about that transition from being closed off And, you know, being a first responder to open and honest and vulnerable and, and all the things that we want the whole industry to go to so justin welcome okay justin so question for you how did you get interested in the fire department um i got interested in the fire department when i was a young man uh, in high school i think everybody has a dream as a kid to be a firefighter and astronaut all those things superheroes and whatnot um but when i went into high school i took a serious look at it and i had taken a career exploration course just kind of uh, focus in on things that you'd like to do and what you'd see in your future. And one of those things was a firefighter. I had no idea what uh, came of becoming a firefighter, but I had one guy I knew at my church who was a firefighter. I talked to him. And the one question I was really curious about was whether or not he loved his job. Mm -hmm. And he said, I, I love my job and I wouldn't do anything else in the world. And that pretty much kind of solidified, okay, good. Like I, I'm, I'm looking into a job that people actually love doing. And so I continued to pursue that out of high school and then into college. Um, I had a scholarship to play tennis for Cal State LA, and I ended up turning it down because I was committed to becoming a firefighter at that point. Um, mm. So I enrolled in Mount Sac and uh, went through their courses, did their fire academy in 2002. And then uh, from there on, I just started testing. And about, what, seven years later, I got hired with the Pasadena Fire Department. That's great. And and talk about that 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 those seven years because those seven years are crucial, right? Because I mean, back back when you were testing, it was you know a department hiring you know with two thousand people hiring for yeah. three positions, and but yeah. now it's the opposite, right? Uh, yeah. Where we can't yeah. find you know firefighters. So uh, yeah. talk about those seven years. I mean, I I know those. Uh, I absolutely yeah. know those are crucial because I was in the, in that era of, you know, trying to find yeah. a firefighter spot. So uh, talk about those seven years. So, I mean, anybody who was testing around that time knows you're going to get an average of five years of testing. I did it essentially for 10 years. I tested mm. and that process pretty much goes from department to department, uh, constantly keeping myself in shape, taking written tests, going and doing background investigation. Um, and it's a very, very competitive field. Um, and doing that. Um, one of the things I remember taking a swim test for Newport Beach, wow. and all these different, that's not the same test that you take, but for 10 years I tested. Um, and yes, like the, the environment that we're in right now, it's, it's a very um, position rich environment for the fire service. So we're having that 30 year kind of uh, rise where people are, baby boomers are starting to retire. There's a lot of positions opening up. You look at some of the departments, the bigger departments are drawing uh, firefighters even from smaller departments mm -hmm. like ours as well. And they're taking all, all the, the guys that have had some experience or even new guys to fill these positions. 
the opposite of when I was trying to get hired. It was very <laughs> limited, <laughs> very limited. Um, I think I had 3,300 people who took my test wow. um, for Pasadena and there were six people in my fire academy that got a job. I, wow. I took that test. I took that test. So I got, I got a little beef with Pasadena. I think it was the same year. I think remember we were talking, Yikes. it was the same year. It was 2014, yeah. right? Yikes. Yeah. 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 I, I tell, okay. Okay. But my, mine was 2009. I got hired in 2009. Oh, okay. But it was the third. It was the third test that I took with Pasadena. Mm-hmm. Got it, got how it. rigorous these processes can be, um, and I was lucky enough to to get in. I've been here ever since. I got hired as a firefighter as well, um, which is almost you know it's one of the hardest things to do because being a paramedic is something that's very much sought after even now today mm-hmm. with mm-hmm. this generation. Yeah. Um, so uh, it, it was good. Good experience. I had 10 years as a firefighter. I went to paramedic school a few years ago, just in time for COVID. Made it back. <laughs> <laughs> hit hit the streets as a new medic for a pandemic, and uh, mm. yeah, my world has world has been changed ever since ever since I decided to uh, become a firefighter in the city of Pasadena. Mm. Yeah, no, so so dive into that now. You know, mm-hmm. um, being a being a you know career you know EMT fireman, and now transitioning into being a medic. What was the change? What drew you mm-hmm. to become a medic? Because I mean, I became a paramedic because I wanted to be a firefighter, right? And uh, so, right. and you're the other way around now. <laughs> what, what was the what was the curiosity? Was it just the paycheck? Yeah, c- uh, clearly, clearly, uh, there's a screw loose in me for even deciding to do something <laughs> like that. <laughs> but um, I've always been a person of experience. I, I value experience, and within the fire service. It's the this is the type of career that you can't get enough of it. Nobody mm-hmm. is ever really knows everything or done it all, as they may say. Um, and I'm a student of, of the job. I like challenges. And so ever since I became a firefighter, I wanted to be a, an engine, a good engine firefighter. You know, learn how to manipulate hose and get in there, put out the fire, you know, get to fight it. And I went on to work the truck. I was a trucker for a few years, worked on doing rescues and putting the ladder pipe up. And then I got into USAR, and I became an mm. urban search and rescue firefighter. So I got in with the technical rescue ropes and knots. Um, had an opportunity to do some volunteer work based on my skill set um, with a, a volunteer organization called Reach Out Worldwide, um, where I got to go and um, go to Puerto Rico post uh, Hurricane Maria mm. and provide disaster relief to them, to help move debris and, and use some la- use some of the skills I had with a very small team and and the Marines that were on the, the island there. Uh, we kind of cooperated together to really make some, some changes in people's lives. And then um, I went to paramedic school. And again, I, I love the challenge. And I, in my time of preparing myself for a firefighter, I worked as an EMT on an ambulance. I did neonate transport. I worked at critical, critical care transport with a nurse. And then I worked at UCI Medical Center as a trauma technician in the ER. And it's a level one trauma center. So I had a a pretty good medical background. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I felt confident, even though I have four kids at home and was married and 10 years on the job, um, <laughs> that I'd have a, <laughs> a good chance at passing paramedic school if I really um, focus like I've done in my life and uh, trying to achieve things. And I will say, you know, going to paramedic school is probably one of the hardest things that I've ever had to do um, in, in my life, but uh, it's definitely been worth it. Um, I actually used 30 trades to do the didactic portion of it. That's how committed I was to becoming a paramedic in the Pasadena Fire Department. And then the department covered the rest of my time so that I could, uh, you know, attend the rest of the clinical and, and, and internship. Um, and then after that, I came back to the department and I've been here at Station 33 Midtown 
And uh, but basically, uh, literally, I got back. I got another opportunity to volunteer with Roe during Australia, uh, the big burns they had January. I went out there and volunteered, and I provided service to the people there after the fire, kind of doing the same, uh, some of the same stuff, disaster relief, helping move some of the debris around homes, giving medical uh, supplies. I was the medic now on the team. So. <laughs> <laughs> I was just going to ask if you went as a paramedic yeah. to Australia. <laughs> I did. I did. That's, that's, that was my role. I filled the medic role on the team this time. So that was a, a cool experience. And then I actually got to give uh, and, and assist some of the local wildlife as well. Mm. Uh, we had uh, a young woman who owned a koala, I'm sorry, <clears throat> kangaroo sanctuary that she had lost about two thirds of the kangaroos she had basically raised mm. from birth uh, during those fires. And she lost pretty much everything, including her, her house, except for a little outhouse she was living out of. And so we went down there and we uh, assisted her by putting up some shelters where she could take care of and treat the injured koala, uh, excuse me, kangaroos and um, provide medical services to them, watch them heal, feed them in a safe environment. And I hear, I still keep in touch with her that they're, flourishing and thriving and she's doing a whole lot better um so i definitely have plans to go back there sometime i recently went back to puerto rico this last year and and saw some of the uh fellow people i'd helped and and talked with before as well so it's all about giving back Mm -hmm. and that's really ultimately the reason i became a firefighter was to give back Uh, i wanted to do something in my life that i would have um, purpose to do but also by the end of the time that you know whatever my my time it ends here that I could look back and say like, you know, I helped, I, I did something, I left it a little bit better. Yeah. Um, and that's, that's really all I ever want to do. I've been fortunate enough to have the opportunity to do it locally here in, in my state and cities that are close to me that I, I'm fond of and also internationally as well. Yeah. So let's I'm talk about, fun. I want to kind of dive into that a little bit. What would you say is a big difference when you've done these two international kind of tours compared to the United States? What did you kind of take away from that experience? So for me, um, having certain disciplines like in USAR, um, you train for major disasters. So the opportunity for me to go out, and I don't have the, the, the type one USAR rig with all the hydraulic tools and the rigging components and things like that. I don't have all my tools, but I have you know, some of the training that I bring with me and a small complement of, of ropes and chainsaws and things like that. And I have also a team of willing people who are also skilled as well. Mm-hmm. So what that is, that opportunity has done for me, it's really given me an opportunity to go to a place that has been hit with a major disaster, a natural disaster, see what things are, are left, what infrastructure issues are going on, what people really need. I really, it, it was eye opening to me when I went to Puerto Rico to find out one of the greatest commodities that people have is not, necessarily the water not necessarily it was gasoline mm-hmm. everybody has um they have medication for their grandparents they have light they have food they're trying to keep refrigerated and they have a means of trying to get around from place to place once roads have been destroyed and, and whatnot just to get to safety gasoline was a huge huge commodity that i didn't even think about until i went there um and then same thing when you go to australia the fires had destroyed most of the homes, but most of the infrastructure was still there, unlike with the hurricane when it knocked down, mm-hmm. you know, uh, poles and, and, and power stations and whatnot. Um, but still, the wildlife was a huge issue there. I mean, it's, it's a huge, huge thing for, for them. Um, but yeah, it really just taking a small team and utilizing the skills that I had been training on, it helped me to now really come back and apply those things and see how they're utilized and see how other places live their lives and respond to tragedies and, and, and uh, 
uh, adversity as well. Mm-hmm. No, and uh, you know, I've had I've, I've had conversations with you many many times on Australia and your in your experience there. There's this one picture that we're you know it's going to come up uh, as we're talking about this, but there's one picture that I really really love, and if if I was single and if I had that picture, I would be parading it around the bars, man. Uh, so th- that picture of you holding that um, that baby kangaroo and and, and with its with its feet, you know, wrapped up in in uh, uh, some sort of bandage. Uh, talk about that. Talk about that experience, man. Well, you, you know, very rarely in life do we get to uh, come that close to nature. Um, and we had a, one of our members. He got very close to an adult male kangaroo, mm. uh, which is a very different experience than the one you have pictured with me. <laughs> <laughs> the, 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 the kangaroos, they're not, they're not docile creatures. They're not trained or tame or anything like that. They are wild, uh, which is something that we weren't aware of until we got the knowledge <laughs> of Ray, Ray when we were there. So you can imagine, you know, walking up to a six foot two, 230 pound kangaroo thinking this is a cute friendly thing to think we're here to help and that's the alpha who you're in his territory <laughs> and you look like a kangaroo so yeah, I know right right but but the cool thing was is that um, Ray the, the, the woman that we were assisting she had a relationship with them so almost like if they were family mm. once she said it was okay then it was okay and then we were actually able to come in contact. Pet, his name was King Koo, is what his name was. <laughs> we were actually able to, to pet King Koo. And that's a, it's an exhilarating experience to you know come in touch with nature. If you've ever done deep sea diving with whales and things like that, like you learn to appreciate that it's not just us here and, mm. and we are the only ones who inhabit this place who need help as well. Mm. But also, um, we had a nursery that we were assisting, they had a bunch of trees that had fallen on them. And so we took chainsaws and cleared it for the nursery of kangaroos. Um, and then that was the opportunity. They were healing a lot of the young, the young joeys there. So I had an opportunity to actually hold a baby kangaroo who was uh, bandaged up and, and healing. But that was kind of a, a little, a little treat after we got done to really come in touch with the people and the, and the animal that we were helping. You know, one of the things that I really enjoy about first responder culture is that passion and desire to give back to our community. I mean, that's truly usually where it starts is you either had a traumatic experience or, you know, just in general, you want your life to mean something bigger than you are. So this international travel is just incredible. Not a lot of people get to do that, even being a first responder, being part of the disaster response team or what have you. Um, That's pretty incredible. Something else that you're doing that we want to highlight, because it is really important to get back to your community, is something that you are a participant in, which is the Phoenix Society. Can you kind of tell us about that? Yeah. So uh, during the year of 2020, um, myself and other uh, males, uh, I'm sorry, members in my fire department started up our Phoenix Society of Pasadena. It's basically our uh, Black Firefighters Association. And in the midst of what we've all been going through for the better part of two years now, along with the pandemic, along with civil unrest, um, just issues that we've been dealing with in our country, in our communities, and in our, in our own lives. I'm not exempt from some of the things that have gone on in the past or uh, in the present with, you know, um, equality and, and discrimination within our country. And a lot of us have shared the same story. And so one of the things that <clears throat> I have the ability to do, along with other people who 
are committed to making change is to get out there and, and affect our communities, to give minorities an opportunity to find someone who is like them within the fire service, can reach out, give them an opportunity to educate them on how to get through this this process and be a part of this career. One of the things that, that I was fortunate enough to have, I'm, I'm a first-generation firefighter. Mm. I don't have any family members who could kind of guide me along the path, but I had a mentor who was someone that I knew at church just by hearsay who took me under his wing and kind of led me through the process. And it, and it took me 10 years mm-hmm. still to even achieve my goal. So <clears throat> one of my goals also in life was not to just support people physically. I, I know what abilities I have physically, and I try to use them every day to the best of my uh, capabilities, but also using my mind and using my experiences to make people's lives better and just being able to connect with people. So I think after a year of a pandemic and being quarantined, and not being able to connect to our loved ones. Um, I, I can speak from my own experience being here. Um, I lived here for the last year and a half because I didn't want to go home to my family with the potential of getting them sick mm. uh, from the quarantine. And seeing the numbers of uh, people who were affected, demographics that were affected by this as well. Um, it's really a time <clears throat> when you're sitting back and you're at home and you're watching all the civil unrest and people throwing their own personal health to the wind to make that type of change in the world. Like if that doesn't inspire you, if those people can do it, like this is, this is something that we can all be a part of and, and make it a better place. So what I do is um, I'm working with my fire department and the Phoenix society and the city of Pasadena. And we're trying to get involved in ways of uh, increasing recruitment and getting knowledge out there for training, uh, starting to get to the youth in our community and have them get an outlet or an opportunity to have a resource if they decide to become a firefighter or anything else. If they want to be a police officer, mm-hmm. if they want to become lawyers. But giving them resources and being an outlet for them to have a positive path into the fire service and then having that experience before they hit the ground here. So that way we don't have the dropout rate. Mm-hmm. We, don't have to, we don't have to look outside in other areas when we have a city full of youth who want to protect their hometown. Mm-hmm. And fill those firefighter spots and have a good experience when they get here. That's really what it is we're, we're aiming to do. And then also bridging the gap. Some of the questions that people have, I I work in a very diverse fire department, which is one of the reasons why I love working for Mm -hmm. Pasadena is because of its diversity. Um, It allows me to sit at the dinner table with guys and girls and, and talk about some of the issues that we see on TV, just like everybody else does and kind of give our experiences and our feelings, but also, Really, we're a microcosm of, of the world around us. Mm-hmm. So it, it's a really a benefit because that little drop that we make there has a ripple effect into our own communities when we go home or when we go out and we work with the public and things like that. So that's really the, the basic of the work that I, I'm, I'm doing with, with several others, many others in, in my department and within my city who are committed to making positive change in the community. Um, and like I said, there's a lot of things that fall into the, the COVID is, is a big issue health-wise. Um, poverty is a big issue. Um, we have so many avenues that firefighters really, we have our hands in. You know, we don't just fight fires anymore. And we we work on mental health. That's a big thing we're trying to work on now because, again, that ripple effect, just like the, the quarantine and whatnot, it has an effect on everybody, not just on, you know, people who don't have a job or didn't have a job, but those of us who had to come to work and, and do a job. Mm-hmm. It, it has that ripple effect. So 
Yeah. Um, I'm very, I'm very proud of kind of where we're going in, in our culture and I'm happy to be a part of it and, and, uh, be at the forefront of it. Yeah. So speaking about, you know, we kind of touched on a lot of the things happening in our community. We've touched on, you know, just making the bigger impact, but for you personally, how has your mental health been affected just in the last few years? You've done this international travel. You're giving back to your community. You have four kids. You're, you know, all these things that affect you personally in your life. How do you maintain a really positive attitude? Uh, I promised myself I wasn't going to cry, Maury. <laughs> you're going to make you're going to make me talk about myself. Okay. Uh, mm-hmm. So personally, personally, my personal life, it, it has been a sacrifice. It has absolutely been a sacrifice. And um, I would say in terms of what I've chosen to do, paramedic school is probably one of, the, one of the most difficult. It's probably the catalyst for one of the most difficult things that I've had to do because it put a lot of stress in my life. I think I got shingles for the first time in my life mm-hmm. through paramedic school just from this, dealing with the stress there. Um, and, and I'm familiar with that. But then coming back to the pandemic and being, uh, I was at one of the busiest stations that had to respond to a lot of things, not knowing if my equipment was going to suffice, if I was going to come home sick or wind up dead. I was Mm -hmm. watching brothers and sisters get affected with COVID and worrying about them and and two weeks of being short staffed by a whole, you know, two stations worth of crews. Like that, that stress on top of the physical workload on top of the mental stress the emotional toll not seeing my kids and my family trying to you know be two shifts passing in the night with my wife Um, she's also you know she works in the medical field she's a night labor and delivery nurse so just all all those things it has been extremely extremely taxing and for myself um, i've started to look into avenues of uh, relieving stress or even like understanding the depth of um, how to manage, you know, stress in your life and, and things like that. Um, I Project Mayday gave me an opportunity to go to a size uh, seminars, which was uh, a basic and basically trying to understand what it is we do and, as human beings, but also in our line of work um, and how to manage our stress, how to uh, attain our goals, how to find balance. Um, and that, I think, was, was huge for me at that, at that point in my life. Um, so much so I took a lot of those things and it helped to really reconstruct what I was dealing with and refocus that energy back into positive ways where I felt like I was, you know, deteriorating day in and day out um, from just all the things that were going on. So, um, but it's, it's, it's a long process. It's continual work. I'm in a a great place now. I'm I'm sitting on a captain's list currently right now. Um, So, you know, I'm just keeping my fingers crossed that I can, you know, even move up more and continue to do and, and uh, attain new heights and, and challenges. But definitely the pressure for the last two, two and a half years has been huge for me personally. Mm-hmm. I, I can speak for myself. And if it's been huge for me, and I, I, like I said, I, I think I, I do very well. I used to just work out to deal and manage with my stress. And that sufficed for some time. But, but at some point, um, once you are aware that there are other things that are underneath and running our program that you have to do a little bit more. And so now, you know, meditation is something that we talk about here. I'm on the uh, peer support group in my department to help others who maybe not, not have um, others who haven't really found positive outlets 
um, cause we have, I've, I've dealt with suicide in, in my career with, with a friend of mine. I've dealt with alcoholism. We've dealt with drug abuse. We've dealt with all the things that people do to cope with the world around them. And, and that's us. That's the people that you call 911. We show up to help you. Mm-hmm. And so now, uh, really, really taking a serious look at the help that we, we need at times, but now more than ever. I yeah. mean, I, again, you, we, we have, uh, firefighters and police officers and, and first responders that a year ago were showing up, not knowing if they were going to come home. And now we're in a place where, you know, politics plays a role in whether or not we're going to stay home yeah. and not come back to work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and just, just the emotions that come up with that. Um, it's, it's ever changing. Mm-hmm. It's very difficult. It's very dynamic. And, you know, like I said, I'm, I'm very fortunate to be here today and to have the outlook that I have and the perspective, but definitely, it, it was with the help of my my good friend G and Project Mayday, and <laughs> I'm hoping to hoping to pass it along and share yeah. it with others and, and keep this going and, and again make this place a, a better place for everybody. Yeah, and uh, you know we we've gotten to know each other for these last two years, and uh, I'm really thankful to Mikey that introduced us. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you mean proba- you mean probationary firefighter Mike? Yeah, yeah, oh yeah, he got hired <laughs> all in Pasadena. That's right, that's right. <laughs> hey, you better make probation hard for him. Uh, <laughs> Uh, I'm here about making life easier, brother. <laughs> <laughs> but just just between us, we'll make. It um, you know, so those, those, you know, when I first met you, you know, and it, it, I just want to say that it, it's leaps and bounds of where you are now. And you know, like first when we had our conversations, it was just like any other conversation. I've been on this call, I've been on that call. Oh, I did this on this call, I did that on that call, and there was no emotion behind it. There was no a deeper meaning behind it or, or your home life behind it. Like it was just all strictly, this is what I did. Look at me and just what everybody else in the nation is having those type of conversations. Right. So talk about what, what was the driving force into helping you get, get rid of that stigma of not talking to anybody or, or not, you know, wanting to express your emotions. You know what, man, it's our culture. It really is. Like it, it is a culture of, we're supposed to be the tough ones. It's a culture of we are the rock. It's a culture of, you know, when, when you call, we answer and we give it 110%. And with that culture, you can never let your guard down. Um, you can never be vulnerable. You can never be weak. Because if you are, you can't be in this culture. Mm-hmm. You can't do this job. That's the stigma that we've all had. And, we've, you know, and, that, and, it, and it transcends military police like it, it transcends not just the fire service but that we have we have a reputation we have an image to the public and we try to uphold that some of us get hired to this job and then we take we embody that mm-hmm. we lose a lot of our own personality to be a part of an, a culture that truly is not us but we transform to that but what the reason that this <clears throat> has really been a calling for me is because it, as much as you may try to run from who you are and one of the things that I've learned and realized is that you may try to be something different but you are who you are mm-hmm. and not only are you who who you are but you would you're more in touch with the people who aren't just in this culture the community the you are more in touch with the homeless person you are more in touch with the person who's an alcoholic and on the street the 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 drug you're, you are more in touch with those people because they have a lot of the same things that you're dealing with and trying to push down. You're just doing it by being here. They're doing it by 
taking it out in some other form or fashion. But we really, we really have more in common with others than we think we do. But yet mm-hmm. we try to elevate ourselves past the point of being human. And I think what really needs to be the the image of our culture moving forward is to take care of each other because we've been taking care of the community for a long time and really not been taking care of ourselves. So I, I guess being somebody who's felt that, uh, like I said, I, I'm a very capable individual and I love competition and I <laughs> love being known to be you know good at what I do. But I also recognize that there has been a toll that it takes on, on me and my life. And, um, and there's things that I have in my, in my past. You know, I lost my father when I was 20 years old in the last week of my fire academy. Mm. And that hardened me. That hardened me to be this. I had a, my daughter, who's 18 now, she was born two months later. Mm. So mm. I, was, I was forced to not only be the kid in the family anymore who was just doing something he wanted to do to being the man of the house and a father who has to provide. You know, my, my mother was going through depression and her own mental anguish dealing with that. Like there was the world was put on my shoulders and I didn't have really any other choice but either sink or swim, you know, mm-hmm. survive, take care of my daughter. She's 18 now. Like, I can't even tell you. <laughs> my daughter's 18. Like, I did it. You know, has Reggie came to the door to ask to go to prom or whatever? No, no, I'm still me. I still got the squad behind me. They know what it is. I just smile a little bit more now. But there's no Reggie. There's no Reggie coming to the door. But uh, you know, yeah. she's, she's, she's a, a wonderful, wonderful young lady. And I'm so proud of who she's grown up to be. And, uh, you know, one of the things that I only regret is that I couldn't have been there more because I was so much involved with trying to be the man and take care of her and provide for her. And I, you know, that those are one of the things that I, I really wish that I had more of the the connection part with her. But mm-hmm. again, that those experiences that we don't ever address when we get to the stage in our life, of how we got here and why we are the way we are. When you look back and you really see what makes people tick, like that, that was a situation that really, that, that broke me down as a young man and forced me to be and embody this warrior mentality mm-hmm. of the fire service. Um, so, you know, now I'm trying to, you know, just give give something back. I'm, me and my daughter got a great relationship. I got three younger kids. I got a five year old son now, and I'm trying to be soft with him. But you know that that warrior side. Well, I'm warrior. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> so, but I got two twin daughters now too, and uh, you know I'm I'm excited. Like life is life is good. I got I got a lot of blessings, and I'm, yeah. I'm very happy to uh, to be where I'm at and to share my life and my experiences. And the things that I've gone through, and even though I know it from what it looks like on the outside, I'm just like everybody else. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you got a bunch more Reggies to worry about. You got two young ones. <laughs> yeah, Re- Reggie's got to worry about me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you so much, Justin, for really kind of going deep on that. I think, honestly, I don't think we could have said it better mm-hmm. ourselves on kind of what's going on currently in our first responder culture and where we should go. Um, 
just being more in tune with ourselves and who we are. Um, but you are not done just yet. Ooh, baby. I know Pas- <laughs> I know Pasadena fire doesn't fire too much fire, so uh, fight too much fire. So we're gonna put you on a hot <laughs> we're gonna put you on a hot seat. And just so y'all know, Justin is at uh, the station right now. Um, and and it's been thirty one minutes and he hasn't got a call so you know they're oh, busy. Great. Good job. Um, so I hope it's yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I hope it's a very quiet night for y'all uh, after this. Uh, so, um, hot seat, brother. This is the uh, rapid fire side. And uh, remember, the rule is one word or one phrase. All right? All right, let's go. Let's do it. Okay. First question. If you were a singer or actor, what would your stage name be? It'd be uh, Coco Puff. <laughs> That was real quick. That was real. I, I feel like you've already kind of... That might be like a pet name somewhere. Um, you know, I, I like singing in the rain. I like tearing my t-shirt off. The <laughs> uh, number two. Number two. What's the first thing you can't wait to say to an EMT that was said to you by a paramedic? Ooh. Uh, it's going to be right over, uh, right over right. Smoke over fire. Yeah. Yeah, there it is. Mine was spike this bag. (laughs) 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 All right, number three. If you had intro music walking onto a scene, what song would you have playing? Oh, man. Uh, Classy Man by Jadena. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Number four. Your favorite alas or Australian phrase you couldn't wait to say with an Australian accent. <laughs> Crikey. <laughs> Damn, that was pretty good. Yeah, that was good. That was good. Funny, funny story, if I can add. Yeah. I learned a phrase that I didn't know that they use frequently, and it's much more casual than we use it here mm. in America. It's the C word. Okay. Really? Yes. Wow. I did not know that. I was called it by my good friend Ray, and she said I was a good C-word. And I was like, what? (laughs) In Australia, they use that word differently than we do in America. So it's actually common that you'll hear that. But I learned something new. Yeah. Um, Yep. Well, to all the Australians out there, do not call people that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that's kind of the point here. Yeah, that's really interesting. Yeah, that's yeah, yeah. So don't be offended if you if you go to Australia. Don't be quick to be offended when you hear that. Right, okay, right. I mean, that's good advice. Yeah, last one, last <laughs> one, right. last one. What is one word to describe the fire service? One word to describe the fire service. Uh, dynamic. Yeah, mm. absolutely. Yeah. And uh, Cocoa Puffs, it is, <laughs> ab- it is absolutely dynamic. Um, I never should have said that. I knew I should have said that. <laughs> that is, I'm going to change your name to that in my phone now. Uh, uh, <laughs> uh, uh, no. Dragon. I'll take it back. <laughs> <laughs> no, Rapid is already done. Uh, <laughs> My man, dynamic is absolutely the perfect word. I mean, I mean, just mm-hmm. the way that fire service is going now mm-hmm. and the way 
the men and women in the fire service are dynamically changing. Uh, I mean, you just in these last two short years, brother, mm-hmm. uh, it has been an absolute, you know, metaphor, metamorphosis kind of, kind of thing. And talking to you now is, is leaps and bounds of where, where you were. And, and we really appreciate you being open and, and forthcoming and, and honest with us about your, uh, you know, mental state and also of what you're accomplishing yeah. you know, now and, and about to be a captain, Next time we get you yeah. on, you better be that captain, yeah. brother. Um, and uh, still not going to fight any more, more fire than you have already, but um, y- you'll be a captain. Uh, and so, uh, <laughs> again, brother, thank you so much for coming on. And uh, this is Project Mayday. Call out. Call out. Take care.